You are listening to Inspired Caring with Michelle Magner, episode number 125. Hello, welcome to Inspired Caring. I'm your host, Michelle Magner. If you are caring for an older family member, this is the podcast for you. Each week, I bring insight, tips, inspiration, and strategies to help you care for the people that you love without losing yourself along the way. Having cared for both of my grandmothers, I've helped manage everything from hospital stays, households full of belongings, to navigating senior living and end-of-life care. And I've worked in senior living as a result of that experience, serving my residents and their families as they've been on this journey too. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Inspired Caring. Okay, welcome Tim Brady to Inspired Caring Podcast. Thank you for being here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I am fascinated with your business and feel privileged to be walking alongside of you in a really small capacity as a coach for your patients. And I am really excited to share with my audience about what it is you do and how it works. So first of all, is it ketamine or ketamine or how do we even say this word? Ketamine. 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 Yeah. Okay. And share with me a little bit about your background. Well, I am a nurse anesthetist. So big word, CRNA for short. Now actually we're, t- we're able to call ourselves uh, nurse anesthesiologists. Hmm. That just came out. I'm thinking, I don't know how that, you know, just happened, but it did. I don't use it. I'm a nurse anesthetist. Anyway, uh, nursing career couple years in Minnesota in the ICU. Um, that was right after I got my bachelor's in science nursing. And then it was all along. I knew I want to be a nurse anesthetist. Like there's no, you know, uh, whoa, what just uh, hit me over the head here. I'm going to go nurse anesthetist. It was like, that's the, I knew I was going to go that route. So all right. Went through uh, graduate school at Kansas University, moved back home to Omaha, worked at Creighton University for seven years, hard time, seven years, hard time. And in the process, (laughs) I I started a, uh, I started a a dental uh, anesthesia group where we did anesthesia and dental offices. So that's kind of where the entrepreneur bug started. And that mushroom to the point of it's one or the other I can't do both anymore so I took a leap of faith and started my own thing and then it grew to another anesthesia group where we did surgical centers and office clinics kind of more insurance stuff and then the next thing was this ketamine uh, clinic that I heard of even like when I was in school. So I was like 2006, I heard about these ketamine clinics, but I didn't know much about them. And yeah, I, so then I, I had an experience uh, with psychedelics and, in a very guided professional way, mm-hmm. um, which just opened the, I was like, wow, this is so cool. And I felt I needed to bring this to the masses because right. just because. Um, yeah. 
And so I started investigating and there was one in town and it wasn't doing a very good job of what I think many would say doing it right. Um, but anyway, it existed. And so I got in touch with some people that were patients there and just to feel them out how things were going. And then I was like, after I heard some stories, I just knew that I had to do this. So that's where, and that's where we were a year ago, we opened up our doors. And I agree, like after my journey, as I was leaving your office, I kept thinking this has to be standardized. Like how do we provide this space mm -hmm. and experience for as many people as possible? And we're going to unpack a little bit more about how it works and some of the science behind it and who it can help on this episode. But I was just, um, it's really transformative, I guess is a great word in my opinion. And I feel like it helped me in a lot of ways. I think everybody is wandering around with some big T's and little T's of trauma. Mm -hmm. And we all have different goals for what we want for ourselves and our future. And so who would be some of, I don't use that lightly, by the way, that everyone is walking around with big T's and little T's. We have all lived through a pandemic, a global pandemic. So I think at this point, um, it feels fair to say that all of us have had some trauma. So who would be some of your typical clients, patients that would benefit from a treatment like this or a series of treatments like this? Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a all sorts of things that it can help with. Um, and I think it, it may it all boils down not to get into the science too quickly, but I'll use this word neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. Um, that is the thing really. Uh, but so with neuroplasticity, it can, it can help in a lot of different, uh, I don't want to call them diseases. I hate to say that symptoms depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, uh, um, suicide ideations, um, addiction, although that's not what our center is all about or what I'm, that's out of my scope of practice, I think, but it does help with that. Uh, we do help with post-addiction withdrawal syndrome, which if you are um, an addict and you've you're cleaned up for three or four months, it helps with the urges. So that in that capacity, we can help. But if you're full blown and you're going through your withdrawal and all that stuff, um, there, that's for another uh, center, not us. But yeah. yeah, so those are some of the big things. And also chronic pain too. Uh, chronic pain is another one um, that we see uh, CRIPS, chronic resistant pain syndrome. Mm -hmm. Basically, we don't, we can't tell you why it keeps hurting. We've done surgery, we've done this and that and the other and opiates and all this stuff. And yet they're still hurting, which also can morph into a cycle with depression. As you can imagine being in chronic pain all the time, it wears you down to, you know, depression. And so the depression heightens, the pain gets worse and then you go in this circle. So I think yeah. ketamine is great great medicine to help break that cycle. And I think about family caregivers and care partners and how often people are really suffering with depression and anxiety and their own health 
issues. Um, I'm in several Facebook groups of family caregivers and people do have suicide ideation because they just are so maxed out and stressed out from caring for, for someone else. Yeah. Um, they've put themselves on the back burner. So their own health is declining and they just feel like they can't do it. So I, that's why I really was so excited to have you on today so that we could talk about this as an option for people to seek out. Um, how does it work? Like how, what, what's happening? Well, what, you know, as soon as I say, this is how it works. Um, there's going to be a, a study that comes out next week. <laughs> no one's really been able to pinpoint it down. There is, you know, the NMDA, uh, neurotransmitter, um, that blocks, let's say it's, it's the break for a glutamate neurotransmitters. So the more glutamate that you have, the more excitatory your neurons get. Mm-hmm. Um, so what ketamine, this in my opinion, uh, ketamine, what it does is it, is it releases that break. It, it, it uh, antagonizes the NMDA. So without NMDA, glutamate is all over the place. And mm-hmm. it, it's a, um, a stimulating all over the place. And that's why you get increased heart rate with the drug, you get increased blood pressure, you get increased respiratory rate. So ketamine, when it was first came to fruition in the 50s by some lab in Michigan, can't remember what it is, but anyway, um, it was a great trauma drug because in the operating room or the ER and you know, things are going bad. All the numbers are going down. You want to get numbers up, but you want to put them to sleep. But everything that in our toolbox at that point, when you use it, all the numbers go down. So this was like a great remedy for that situation. And then it was later used in Vietnam to grade it great. Like all the, all the R and all the, all the, um, medic, uh, Oh, what do I want to say? War zone areas, you know, ketamine mm-hmm. was widely used for that reason. And it's still used today in the ER um, for kids and like, um, you know, separated shoulders and things like that, that you just want something quick on and off, but you don't want to depress their respiratory drive and blood pressure and heart rate. So there are some good things. And I've got way sidetracked there about how does it work. Um, but the, uh, the physiological effects is, is the neurotransmitters and the heightened um, uh, neuroplasticity effects that comes from that glutamate um, being so rampant. Uh, so, so like for my son who broke his wrist, they, this is yeah. potentially what they would have given him in the ER because it's a slight, it's a disassociative. I don't know if that's the right language. So he wasn't feeling the pain when they were resetting his wrist, but it wasn't like they were putting him under knocking him out. Correct. Yeah. Um, Because I remember him going, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you get like a 10,000 yard stare, you know, at these doses. Um, I mean, I think in the in the ER, in that sort of setting. Um. You know, there, so ketamine has got a wide dose range, wide safety margin. And so when you're in the ER or operating room, even, you know, you're on the right hand of the spectrum, a heavy handed 
and you don't remember anything. It's just too heavy, too much. And you get a 10,000 yard stare and you know, they're not computing. They're just, they're somewhere else. They're probably not even able to see and their eyes are still open, which is totally creepy. But anyway, that's what happens in the ER. Big dose. Uh, we use like a 10th of that dose, like a very sliver of that dose to kick in uh, the neuroplasticity effects. Um, and let's just go there, the psychedelic effects. That's when they kick so, in in smaller doses. So how is it administered? Like I had one way, but there's other ways to do it. Right, right. Um, so I, intramuscular, like a flu shot. Okay. Uh, is one route. And that's, you know, if you can imagine being in a war zone in Vietnam, you know, uh, getting them uh, as soon as possible and a lot of it. Uh, in the ER, if there's no IV, you can give it intramuscular. It, in this setting, we give it IV, uh, slow, continuous dose. Um, in the operating rooms, you also use slow, continuous doses as well in an IV. Uh, you can also uh, swish it. You can do it sublingually, but that takes about 15 minutes of swishing hmm. for it to absorb through your mucosa. And then you can swallow it or spit it out after that. But those are the three ways. So once someone has it administered, like how do, uh, what's happening inside? It doesn't even have to be the science because we talked about the psychedelic mm -hmm. impact of that. Like, does right. everybody have similar experiences or what can be expected with that? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, because we administer it to uh, almost a hundred people now through our clinic, I get to hear a lot of different, you know, experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and I will say not one is always the same for somebody. It's going to be always changing for everybody. It's never the same, but, um, gosh, what you hear, uh, there's a lot of like water to it. There's some water. I, I would say water is a very big, uh, common denominator for these people, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, water, uh, underwater, like, like, uh, the avatar the new movie the avatar movie a lot of okay. people avatar being like wow i thought it was an avatar um so i don't know if that's like water is like calming or back to the womb kind of thing i'm not really sure why our brain goes that way with ketamine but that's that's kind of a, a big commonality others oh, flights uh galaxies um uh lots of different materials building blocks to sand to brick to stone to canvas even um a lot of like imagery like rewind the tape like if remember like those old um movie movie films like in the 70s where they're kind of like they're going fast you know but yes like, it's grainy like a lot of that too um there are it's, it's all over the place all over the spectrum of of what people how people react to it and then even that same person you know, might, will react differently, you know, four different ways. So. So for me, it was a lot of, um, you mentioned some of the imagery, all of those things for sure. There was a lot of colors. It felt like I had like totally, I had just gotten a new tattoo. I felt like I had completely like dove into it and had become one with it, it was so cool. Yeah. Um, I yeah. felt like I was in a place where I was able to thread through what my intentions were. 
with doing the treatment. And I think that for me was super powerful. And that does bring us to like the set and setting, which are really integral parts of your clinic and, and what you provide. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, the, the set and setting. So I got that. Um, well, A, I got it from when I had my psychedelic retreat experience. I, I witnessed the set and setting, but then even like reading on it, um, learn more about it. Uh, Michael Poland did a really good job of explaining set and setting. So set is the mindset. Mm-hmm. Uh, as to your point, the intention, uh, even before you take the medicine, um, you want to have your mind right. Okay. It's not something that you just want to like give the chance. So let's, let's think a bit, let's give it more intention. There you go. Intentions. Right. So let's give, a the, the journey of a focus point. And here's the tough part. I'm glad to hear that you were able to meet your intention because that's, that's a big, um, feather in your cap. Uh, but it's also not right or wrong if you don't meet your intention. Right. When you do journey, whatever comes up in that journey for on that specific day and that specific hour was just meant to happen. Um, but to, yeah, to back to the mindset, we want to give it some focus and not just willy nilly. Like I'm here, just hook me up. Uh, let's just see what happens. Um, probably not the best way to go about it, or at least the best um, bang for your buck to go about it. And then the setting is just the setting, the environment, making sure that you feel safe one, um, which we always have a guide at our clinic. Uh, everybody has somebody by their side as they journey through it. Um, and their, their job is just to hold positive energy and, and just make you feel like you're being watched after. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are able to let go and drop into the medicine, uh, knowing that there's somebody there watching them closely. Um, and it's also, is it a quiet space? Is it, how does it feel? How does it smell? How does it, I don't know, resonate with you? Uh, what I recommend is you not being in a uh, sterile, bright clinic with a TV on. If you find yourself in one of those clinics, I think you're missing out or you're missing a valuable uh, part of the, the, the journey. Yeah. I mean, even just entering your clinic, it's just a a nice mood lighting in there. And then the space itself, the atmosphere, the temperature was so comfortable. Um, You provided an eye mask for people Mm -hmm. and then earphones Mm -hmm. for people. Um, The music was neutral. Yeah. The music, it, it, you know, it doesn't sound like it should be a big deal, but it actually is a big player in a journey. Um, music, um, and ambient music. I think maybe that's why people, a lot of people go to the water just cause it's just like a spa kind of thing, mm-hmm. but, um, it definitely keeps the journey moving forward. Um, and then not knowing where, which way the music's going to go. Cause you've never heard it before. I guarantee it. Um, you just don't know what, what, what's around the next corner. And so I think that keeps people from ruminating, you know, I mean, we're, we're trying to get out of our rumination by taking this medicine and, and expanding our minds. Um, so the music does have an impact on the, the flow and the speed of it. Um, lots of times people will talk about 
to change up some music like this one this one song was very slow and mellow and that's how they felt very mellow mm -hmm. and then it kind of the next song went to kind of like a, a little bit more of a tempo-y up kick and they felt their themselves or their journey up kick and things were moving a little faster um which i think is great i mean i, I don't think you just want to be stuck in one continuous loop or one flow i think changing it up and keeping people on their toes keeps that experience rolling yeah keeps it moving forward and changes the scenes and the the, the colors even and just for me i guess speaking from my own experience yeah um yeah. and then you provided a weighted blanket that's yeah the weighted blanket's nice um it uh okay so with ketamine you said the word disassociation earlier mm -hmm. so it is a disassociative drug you know that common with what kind of anesthesia drug is it? it's a disassociative drug which basically means in a way your mind is disconnecting from your body mm -hmm. so there's that disconnect uh to almost to a point of an out-of-body experience so we help with that with a weighted blanket you know if you ever had a weighted blanket or like dogs uh thunder coats or whatever just it makes them feel like they're being hugged the whole time. Um, I think people lose their, um, I think they disassociate from their body uh, with a less of a dose when you have the weighted blanket on, which is good. We all want to get to that sweet spot space with the, as little as possible. Right. Um, therefore, you know, you don't, you're, the medicine isn't sticking around all day, you know? So the, the, the less dose is the better dose. And so by doing the weighted blanket, by doing the face mask, by doing the, uh, the music, um, noise canceling headphones, you basically sensor deprivation, uh, it just intensifies everything. Uh, but that's good because we, we wanna use the, as less ketamine as possible to reach our inner healer and have that wonderful journey. Right, have that experience. And then, I had the optimal well, two things. One is if um, I could sense that I was starting to freak out a little bit, I was able to reach for a hand if that would help. So we talked, can you share a little bit about grounding or? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, again, having a guide or someone at your side while you're in that space, um, because it can be a little nerve wracking, um, especially if you've never had any psychedelics in your at all ever uh mm -hmm. having that disassociate disassociation for the first time or seeing colors and in, in your third eye your eyes are closed but you know what i mean mm -hmm. um see having those geometric you know having that for the first time can be uh in, cause anxiety and um but by the way that's why we have this consult too we like we let everybody kind of know that what to expect and before they even get in the chair and have the medicine. Um, Cause that's just kind of a rude thing to do. Just <laughs> not give anybody a heads up and they're having, you know, visuals, so to speak, uh, and being very confused by it. So having a guide there for a handhold just to kind of help bring your mind and body back together, mm -hmm. um, de-intensifies de the uh, experience, which is, which is fine. Um, and then we can also change the dose too, because it's IV. We can just titrate down and give you less if 
if that's what's happening. Now, I like to stair step. I don't like to go down the stairs. I like to go up the stairs mm -hmm. um, carefully uh, to prevent that big panic moment that a lot of people consider a bad trip, you know, a bad trip, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants that. So to prevent that from happening, we stair step up. We have a big, nice talk about what to expect. And uh, I think that really, really helps. I totally agree. And there was a point at which we, I had the option to have a, a bump or a boost or booster. I don't remember. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So that's part of the stair step moment. So, you know, if we start with a dose and things just, you just, I don't, you know, twiddling your thumbs, like, I don't know, I think I'm supposed to feel something, but I'm not feeling anything. So at that, those kind of moments that we check in, Hey, how's it going? Mm -hmm. You know, would you like, are you, do you require a booster? And, and, and sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no, I'm good right here, you know, and that's fine too. Either way is fine. Just as long as they're comfortable, you know, and again, the consultation and, and letting them know, you know, like, well, we really like to have you have a little bit of a disassociation like that, that, that just, just starting to open up kind of a bit. And Which I think a lot of people, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to speak to the, uh, the, the ego death that occurs with that disassociation um, because there's going to be that and kind of goes back to that anxiety portion of the journey um, where your ego is, he's, you know, he's your body armor or he or she, mm -hmm. uh, they want to protect you and they're not going to, you know, they want anything bad to happen to you. So that is a heightened awareness and causes anxiety. And that's just your ego trying to protect you. But at some point with the medication and, and maybe even to a, a boost, like I'm not feeling much, I need a boost. So you give you a boost. And at some point that ego just slowly recedes away and opens you up. And that's that's the space. That that's we, that, that's yeah. our goal. Yeah, yeah. And we try and get to that space to where there's no judgment from the ego and the ego can just relax and you can be authentic and you can journey inward. Inward. And what's so nice about having the guide there is that they're also able to take notes. So if you are saying anything or expressing anything, then they're kind of keeping track of those things um, to share back with you at the end. Yes. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's all material gathering for the bigger, you know, bigger work, you know, like I always tell people 30% what happens in your journey, you know, when you're here at the clinic, receiving your medicine that's that's 30% of it the bigger 70% is the work you do outside of this building and well i guess people do have um some therapy sessions in this building as well but like what they do at home what they do with their therapist or our therapist or whoever it may be that they're going to open up to and integrate uh integration is just processing you know your journey uh to that to your point some we do encourage to be verbal to what comes to mind just say it out there and we'll write it down and capture that moment um because it, it it's a fleeting moment it's a dreamlike moment so you might not remember it the next day but that day of you sure as heck remember like oh my gosh this was this is what came to me 
my aha moment, you know, so we want to get that on paper so we can talk more about that at the later date with, um, to integrate with the therapist or our ketamine coach. Yeah. It's very important. So you need a doctor's order for this. Yes. Yes. We, I, so as a nurse anesthesiologist, uh, my scope of practice is not to be able to diagnose, uh, people, uh, with whatever conditions. So, and that's fine. That's I'm perfectly fine with administering the medicine and, and taking care of folks that are receiving ketamine and making sure that they're safe hemodynamically wise and mentation wise, um, you know, by able to titrating the dose as, as needed. Uh, our thing here at the, the clinic is we like to talk about a comprehensive wheel. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, multiple providers looking after the patient who's in the middle of the wheel and four spokes going out. If you can imagine that one spoke is me. Yeah. The anesthesia guy. Uh, another spoke is your primary care physician. Uh, another spoke, maybe your behavioral health provider, if you have one. And then the other spoke is the guide and all four of us are centered on your health and what is best for you. So, the diagnosis comes from psychiatrist, uh, primary care physician, somebody that that's within their scope of practice. And then from there, uh, we all just kind of like make sure that this is the best thing for a patient. So what patients we, we have to look away or make sure or root out is um, a hyperactive bipolar patient or a schizophrenic patient or multiple personality patient. These patients are red flagged and unfortunately not a good idea, uh, for ketamine treatment. And so we absolutely rely on psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists and, uh, mental, uh, health nurse practitioners. All these people are able to weed all that stuff out for us. So we rely on them. So it's, there's some qualifications to it there. It's, a doctor's order. And I think um, that was part of my misconception that I'm hoping to clear up for others is there's a recreational use of different plant. I don't even know how, like different psychedelic experiences. And then there's this more clinical use, but it's in the set and setting of a really supportive environment. So, and it's a different situation when you are in your setting where it's you're being a guy guided and it feels very official versus a recreational mm-hmm. setting. Yeah. And that's part, you got to shake that taboo a little bit and get away from the party scene or whatever, you know, you think of, um, when you do take it, this medicine and this sort of a setting in this manner where it's, you're, you're really focused on yourself and working on you and you have, um, you know, all these people uh, behind you and supporting you, it it takes it to a, a different level, more like a, I don't know, a ritual mm-hmm. kind of a, you know, a level of um, giving it a lot of meaning and a lot of respect, you know, and I think that's, that's, that's what the difference is, is are you respecting the medicine and what it is, can do for you? And, you know, let's look back at, history right i mean there's every civilization everybody every civilization there is always some sort of aspect of mind expansion 
I think it's that I think that's more fascinating than anything is to look back and you know ancient Egypt to on and all over the world you see psychedelic medicine being used to cure or help mental health yeah yeah I'll just leave it at that I mean there's just it's a long rich history of ritual and ceremony and culture and the society embracing it as a modality for healing yeah yeah yep absolutely absolutely and so i think it was it just took it like one step closer to get to source whatever their source is you know all over the world um and and in in getting with source uh or closer to source that's just you know not not that that word not might be for everybody but whatever it is to get one step closer is, is to heal, is to feel love and that expression mm. that you feel and back and forth from source to source, whatever it is, a connection there. Yeah. That's really, that's, that's out there, but. Uh... Well, I think that my audience can handle it. Okay. And if that And if that's not for them, then just forget that part. And let's go back to the therapeutic, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, medicinal modality of it. Um, yeah. for, for you and I, we had multiple conversations uh, prior to me coming on board as a ketamine coach and my own journey. And now we're just texting egg and frying pan. So let's just talk about that for a minute. Cause as a kid that was born in 72, we had this series of ads about this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. And they yeah. cracked the egg into sizzle. the frying pan, the sizzle. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, don't drink alcohol anymore. I feel like I have my shit together. I love my life. I'm feeling on point and motivated and energized. And I don't want this experience to take away from any of the progress that I've made yeah. Without it. So let's just speak to that. Well, yeah, st- stigmatism, you know, that's the any sort of drug. And then you hear, you know, ketamine and like, oh, isn't that the, the dance club drug? And well, yes, yes, it is. Um, but again, it goes back to that, you know, what's the set and setting that you're taking these medications in or this medicine in? Um, side effects. Yeah, really not so much. Um, not like these other medications. Okay, let's go back. Let's just talk about addiction. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in the lab, rats will not repeatedly hit the ketamine button to get more ketamine. Uh, they'll repeatedly hit the opioid button to get more hydrocodone or whatever that is because now their body needs that or alcohol their body needs that um to feel good this the only what am i trying to say here so ketamine is not physically addictive cognitively though much like marijuana let's say where people just feel like they they feel like they are better if they do it. You know what I mean? Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Like, yeah, it's not the body controlling. It's more like their personality and their minds just like, ah, oh, just, I, I have to have this. Um, mm-hmm. It's not their body controlling. So I think that's a big, you know, kind of a sigh of relief 
you know, hearing that is to like, oh, I won't get hooked on it. You know, this isn't the next opiate craze hook. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to hook people on this stuff. Um, like I said, in fact, the rats repel it. They don't want it, you know. Hmm. Um, so addiction, zero on the body scale, on the body uh, addiction or the, or the, uh, where you're required to have it. Mm -hmm. um, side effect wise, I, maybe an hour or two of, of feeling uh, the medicine yet. Um, now you're not walking out of here drooling or crawling out of here. You're upright. You know where you're at. You're walking, talking. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it, I don't know how to speak to that. I mean, that's, yeah, you took a medicine and it's going to wear off in a couple hours. And like uh, after any surgery, when you thank you are thank coming you. out of anesthesia, right? Mm -hmm. It takes a little bit of time to, yeah. I mean, it's it, this together. interesting space of feeling like super clear headed, but then, um, I mean, I guess it is sort of hard to describe. Like I felt very clear headed. I was very, very hungry. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, but I was able to just like walk out. Like if you'd seen me at the grocery store, nobody would have been like, ha ha. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. How do you tell me the, the side effects of that? Tell me the side. I don't, I don't, there's just no side effects other than the, like I said, the heart rate and the blood pressure. Um, if you take it a lot, like if you took it routinely a lot, you could develop bladder inflammation, bladder cystitis. Mm -hmm. um, it is metabolized through your liver. So you could, you could beat up your liver pretty good. Or if you've already beat up your liver with say alcohol, and then, you know, you will throw a bunch of ketamine on there. That's probably not a good idea either. Mm -hmm. So those are, those are two things that I guess you want to watch out for. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, there's people have surgery every day. People, some mm -hmm. people have surgery every other day, <laughs> you know, yeah, for multiple uh, like, surgeries. yeah, like if you get a bad crack, no one's saying, no one's advocating for that, that poor patient. Well, this is too much surgery. The side effects, like he's not gonna be able to handle it or you know, something's going to fall off or whatever. Um, right. not the case. That's not the case. Right. Um, our, our protocol, you know, requires not requires, but sets the expectations at six sessions within a two to three week span. So twice a week for three weeks, if you want to play basic math, um, that's not, that's not a whole lot. And it's, it's, it's a 40 minute infusion. Um, you know, you recover in a couple hours, it's three hours of your day, you know, six days out of three weeks. It's not a and lot of, um, and, and there's like an afterglow to it too. Yeah. Yeah. That can last. Right. Uh, now are we speaking of the afterglow of feeling the medicine still on board your body and, and, or are you, are you talking about days after? Like days <laughs> after just feeling the positive, impact of having had the experience i guess yeah. yeah that's the that's i i believe that's the neuroplasticity effect working for you mm -hmm. um opening your mind a little bit of uh to other neural passageways mm -hmm. um you know and i think i like the analogy and i think uh, michael Pollan used this too um imagine sledding hills you know and you go down the same 
run every time and it's grooved out and it's it's easy to do easy to go down that way so we go down that way more you know every day all the time but then ketamine comes in and that's a rut by the way uh mm. not like that's not what i'm trying to say is that rut is not doing it for you no mm. um ketamine comes in it's a snow globe shakes it up and then it's a whole new power field and you can go whichever way you want. And that's kind of what ketamine does for you. It, it opens up other ways. It doesn't have to be the same ruminating thought process or critical mind or trap or whatever you want to call it. Um, and that's, I think that's how um, the uh, ketamine can really snap somebody out of their day in and day out mm -hmm. process and you add on a ketamine coach or a therapist i mean even bigger bang for your buck i think yeah so powerful set those intentions on the front end and then pull the experience of the journey through to what you are wanting to call in and create in your life with this new neuroplasticity yep, yep. you can really manifest um your future um i think it just opens just opens up the pores and and you're able to just know that there's other possibilities or there's other there's other ways of doing things it doesn't have to be the same old way every day um and i'm talking about thought processes yeah yeah um the um you know the research right so research has these six sessions and that is under a clinic supervision kind of thing. Right. And that's it. It's just giving you the medicine and then escorting out the door and we'll see you for the next trial, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that, that alone has success, some success, pretty good success, like 60 to 70% success. What happens when you add the set and setting aspect to it? And then you add the uh, coaching network, and somebody there by your side as you go through your three weeks of therapy, basically. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the way to go. And that's, that's why we focus so much on set and setting because we want the best for our patients. We want them to get the best results possible. And what, and that's, that's, yeah, that's how we, that's our mission statement basically. <laughs> yeah is to be comprehensive and and uh deliver everything that we can well thank you for being here oh thanks michelle <laughs> i think this is really helpful i think people will have learned a lot now like tim said we cannot diagnose anything this is definitely um a medical procedure that you need to have a physician or psychiatrist or someone who's going to have a doctor's order involved. But I think that the way mind body wellness Omaha is doing this is the right way. So mm -hmm. I'm grateful for your time. Thanks, Michelle. And I really appreciate uh, working with you as well. It's, it's just, it's great. And you bring a lot of good energy. Thanks.